0: You're listening to the IBSI Views Podcast. This is Gaia Lamperti. And today we are joined by Gabriele Columbro, who is the Executive Director of Finos, the FinTech Open Source Foundation and the financial sector arm of the Linux Foundation. Hi, Gabriele. How are you? Hi,
1: Gaia. Thanks for having me here.
0: Gabriele, so today we're going to talk about open source security. But before that, why don't you offer us an introduction on Finos and the sort of community you created around the organization?
1: Absolutely happy to. So yeah, Finos, as you said, is the the FinTech Open Source Foundation. We are a non-profit organization based out of the US, really creating a global community of open collaboration for both financial institutions and increasingly fintechs. And the way we collaborate with each other is through open source open source collaboration in my history. I've been sort of born and bred in open source. I've now spent 20 years between communities. My technical background helped me engage with the existing communities, but also I worked for several years for commercial open source companies. And by middle of last decade, 2015, 2016, we realized um, that there was a really huge opportunity for financial services to collaborate, very much like any other technology, industry technology, verticals have been doing to deliver efficiency, innovation, talent, and really just a better overall interoperability across the uh, financial services system. And so whilst at the beginning, open source and and banks might have sounded like an oxymoron, this is an industry that has been historically very conservative. Over the last five years, we were able to really build a lively community, bringing together sort of as a level playing field, the largest investment banks, lots of big tech vendors and and commercial open source vendors, as well as now increasingly fintechs and industry consortia that are looking at open source as a way to accelerate their standardization. So pretty exciting times for us. And we joined the Linux Foundation two years ago, which is the largest shared technology investment in the world. So pretty exciting times.
0: It does sound like that, Gabriele. Thank you so much for this introduction. Now that we better understand what Finos is all about, Let's talk about open source security. You rightly mentioned that in the last five years, so much has been changing. I mean, we've been through changes in global economics and, of course, the pandemic in the last couple of years. But also, you know, we have arrived to new standards of what we call the modern economy. And in this context, why it's so important, it has become so critical to address the possibility of adopting open source security.
1: Yeah, so I think it's important to understand that, you know, the Log4J, Log4Shell vulnerability that I think we are all very familiar with uh, at the beginning of this year has really shown a light on how fundamental open source is for the global economy. Uh, I mean, we have been personally saying that now for a few years, sort of us in the open source community, but I think Log4J and really the pervasive nature of the amount of applications that we're using that, unfortunately, vulnerable software has really shown across enterprises, across governments, really how much the you know global economy runs on open source. I mean, uh, Mark Andreessen used to say, you know, software is eating the world. I would say that open source is eating software. And so fundamentally, this really opens up a, a pretty long-standing debate. We in the open source community believe that open source drives better security in software because there are you know many eyeballs looking at that software uh, and making sure that actually bugs are identified quickly and effectively and sort of patched through a pretty established responsible disclosure process as opposed to proprietary software where, Sort of the discovery, fixing, and communication of a potentially very impactful uh, vulnerability is sort of left in the hands of just a single company, the proprietary company producing that software. That said, I think we are living in a phase where this strong dependency that we've identified of, again, the world economy on software and therefore on open source has really given us a motivation to invest heavily on the sustainability of the open source ecosystem. It clearly there is a problem in projects like Lock 4 J that are depended by the, you know, most critical applications in the world being maintained by two, three random unpaid guys somewhere in a basement. And so the banking sector has honestly a lot to lose. I think banking and financial system, as well as, you know, really nation states are the two main potential targets for, you know, vulnerability and and sort of uh, security attacks, cybersecurity attacks. And therefore, we're very excited to have worked with the Linux Foundation, who's been invited at the White House about a month ago, together with the you know largest big tech companies, to really put forward a global strategy to address security vulnerability on existing projects that are potentially not under a foundation, so they don't enjoy the level of funding and attention and support that projects under Phoenix or the Linux Foundation do. But truly, in the realization that this is not just a Apache Software Foundation versus you know, Linux Foundation, we ought to work together to make sure that we are able to catch Sort of the next log4j before it happens. And I think we are really well underway to do so.
0: Absolutely, I do agree. And the White House invitation sounds like a huge, huge achievement. But again, you know, to be factual, if we're still discussing this, it means that we are witnessing a cultural resistance to this movement. Why so? And who are the sort of bad guys who are not supporting open source?
1: It's a really good question. So I will say most industries. Definitely big tech, you know, open source and commercial, both, again, the community nature of open source, as well as the commercial open source go-to-market and business model are very stuck. Uh, so let's start from that. Uh, then when you look at, you know, most non-regulated industries, well, you're seeing a lot of collaboration, you know, in automotive, you're seeing a lot of collaboration in telecommunications you're increasing, starting to see, again, more collaboration, even in highly regulated industries like finance or healthcare. We have several Open IDL. It's an insurance consortium collaboration under the Linux Foundation. It is true, though, that there are still sort of major resistance um, especially, I would say, in regulated industries. I think it's a pretty particular scenario where partly we have, of course, the cultural issues uh, of this industry where being super competitive, being used to really produce most of their software in-house. You think about these large financial institutions, they have huge budget spans. And historically, they've been able to basically throw any amount of money to pretty much any problem that they were facing that they could try to, to sort of solve via technology. Um, this is not the case anymore. More You know, margins have, have gone down in the last 10 years since 2008 crisis. Uh, regulatory spend has grown up 30, 40 percent. There's simply just not enough money to continue throwing at the problem. And so on one hand, we are seeing the most advanced banks sort of jumping on open source. On the other hand, we're still seeing sort of that generational Cultural almost misunderstanding of what open source is because clearly you need to have a professional way of managing open source, contributing to open source, making sure that IP and security are always in check when you're bringing an open source sort of library in your software development lifecycle. So, that is, of course needed. But once you achieve sort of that professionalism, then open source software is software. You know, like any software has bugs and like any software has IP concerns. And so I think we are actually seeing that cultural aspect being sort of less and less prominent, even in sort of the cultural resistance for open source being less and less prominent in, in regulated industry like ours. I believe the major resistance at this point has actually was proven by our state of open sourcing financial services survey that we run now on a yearly basis, and we published last year, there's certainly a tension to jump on the open source bandwagon. There is a, you know, even at executive level, there is a desire, uh, whether it's motivated by talent acquisition and talent retention, whether it's motivated by efficiency or, or need to reduce costs. But one of the key findings was that there's still not a unified open source strategy at sort of sea level, and therefore a clear communication across these very large institutions. In other words, we think that open source should become a technology pillar, very much like sort of cloud is right now for CIOs at these financial institutions. And we certainly see examples of those in our community, but there are certainly several other financial institutions who are still sort of in the process of of bubbling up open source to the highest level, again, not just as a way of developing code, but truly as a collaboration model to solve longstanding business challenges in this industry around interoperability, around standardization, around just really not reinventing the wheel.
0: And, you know, so many of the things you mentioned resonated with me because things are actually changing. And on so many levels, you were just now saying how banks traditionally have always had this sort of arrogance of building in-house. But if we look at the rise of fintechs, So many huge traditional financial institutions are now preferring buy versus build because they just realize you nurture the ecosystem, have new partners who allow you to, of course, do better what they can do at the highest level. And so I think, you know, of course, all these elements are bringing the conversation forward also on the theme of open source. And indeed, you mentioned a few times, many of your partners are fintechs. Yes. So my next question would be, is fintech leading the change? Are fintechs going to be the ones who bring forward the movement?
1: That's a really interesting and I will say almost provoking question because from my vantage point and, you know, with the caveat that we started, our backers, our platinum members, our main contributors have always historically been the bulge bracket, uh, large investment banks. But I would argue that right now in my foundation, banks understand the value of open source and collaboration um, and efficiency and talent, innovation more broadly that open source can bring better than the fintechs. It's been surprising for me because again, we just are used here to 80% of what we do is non-differentiating, really 20% is differentiating Especially if you're building like a platform that really it's about connecting value producers and value consumers, then really your software is not what you're selling. You're selling is really the thing about Facebook, the, the connectivity across uh, who produces value and who consumes value. And so the concept of mutualizing everything that is non differentiating, it's very, very clear here. And I would have expected that FinTechs, you know, being more naturally technology companies or being born as technology companies companies uh, would have a better understanding of how not only open source can bring efficiency, but really as a commercial endeavor can be used as a, very much as a go-to market, as a business model strategy. I mean, I've been working forever in in commercial open source companies and there is a whole, it's still a little bit more of an art than a a science, but there is a lot of bottoms up developer level engagement um, and, and really buzz that you can generate through open source, which then turns into potentially, you know, converting into actual, you know, enterprise sales. And so to your point, it has been surprising for me to notice that, again, despite many of these fintechs being sort of very tech savvy, there's still a very unstructured approach to open source. That said, you know, we're seeing, of course, through the blockchain movement, being open source by default, there's definitely the ingredients there for fintechs to really lead the charge when it comes to open source. but I think there is a lot of governance that is needed. There is a lot of foundations like ours can really play a level playing field, sort of a, a harmonizing role in this ecosystem because I have the fear that if we don't do so, We're going to move from a centralized mess to a decentralized mess. And so that's not really going to change sort of the end user experience. Uh, Yes, we're going to have very nicely vertically focused fintechs and apps for every single, you know, advanced use case. But ultimately, we might lose interoperability across these different use cases and these different applications. I think kind of wrapping on your question I do think FinTech has the potential to drive the open source movement in financial services, uh, but I think there's still a long way to go.
0: Great point. Thank you for that. To conclude, I would like to ask you about the initiatives and the projects, especially in collaboration with the Linux Foundation, that are in the pipeline
1: for this year for Finos. Thank you for the opportunity. I'll, I'll mention actually four of them. Three that are in Finos and one in the Linux Foundation. Finos has sort of a value proposition that is... On one hand, we help financial institutions accelerate their maturity in open source, meaning if you're not many of these companies five or six years ago, could not even access GitHub. Developers at J.P. Morgan or CT desk had virtually no access, neither in terms of consumption, let alone in terms of contribution and participation. Our open source readiness initiative continues to be a engine for accelerating the readiness of the industry, which of course delivers value to each individual institutions. So we think there is a you know a major value in terms of again talent, reduction of cost, innovation, but also generates. Uh, uh, many more sort of ready-made contributors that can participate to our community. So in a way, really unlocks the full potential of the tens of thousands of developers that work at these institutions that, you know, until a few years ago, I didn't have a chance to do so. So definitely open source readiness continues to be a fundamental initiative. Another initiative that we see as really the one of the strategic pillars of Finos over the next one, two, five years, it's what we call Open RegTech. Um, we have started about a year ago, an endeavor to really bring together all the different constituents, buy-side, sell-side, fintechs, technology vendors, and regulators, with this idea of, first and foremost, mutualize the cost of interpretation and implementation of regulation. Ultimately, if you think about open source, it's typically about collaborating on common requirements that don't deliver a competitive differentiator, and that oftentimes are a you know, big cost on the bottom line. And so it makes sense to actually share and mutualize. And when you take these three requirements, first thing that comes to mind is REG. You know, why would we be interpreting and implementing independently when ultimately we have all the same requirements? And so our open tech initiative is really first and foremost about mutualizing the cost of implementation of regulation, which of course could be very interesting for fintechs as well, because that's where fintechs oftentimes stumble into sort of coming in into the industry. But on the other hand, are starting sort of working at the flanks with with regulators to bring them into the fold, to bring them into actually participating earlier on in some of these projects. Let alone hopefully before my grandkids grow up, uh, produce machinery uh, machine readable regulation, which we can then sort of implement in the OVA.
0: Because I'm thinking there are entire sectors of fintech regulation is still in the making. So I'm thinking exactly. about verticals like buy now, pay later, or blockchain projects and, and the entire DeFi ecosystem. So it's so important to have them on board at the very Absolutely. beginning.
1: Absolutely. And it's important that you make this point because we keep sort of we have a two-pronged approach here. One is Let's take existing regulation and create an open source implementation for it so that anyone can use it, including fintechs coming in into, you know, anyone can use our software. We don't have a price tag. Uh, uh, you know, it's it's open source. But on the other hand, there is a whole other school of thought that says, well, we should start from... Net new regulations, because then you don't have the rip and replace cost. I mean, it's even if there is a better implementation of an existing regulation, it's gonna take time and efforts and an internal project to sort of rip your internal vendor or your, you know, internal implementation. So you make a really valid point. We're actually looking more and more also at new regulations uh, that are coming up as a greenfield to really show sort of success into this new approach to implementing regulation. Then the third strategic initiative for us this year is around the interoperability of the trader's ecosystem, actually front office, mid office, and back office. One of our key projects uh, is an open standard called FDC3, is the Financial Desktop Collaboration and Connectivity Consortium. A bit of a mouthful. But it's really being adopted now by several financial institutions, and is really trying to create an harmonized, again, interoperability across applications within a single desktop. But more importantly, across firms, across the firewall, we're starting to see some initial pilots between buy side and sell side. And so, for us, the idea this year this is a very mature project. It was about to release its 2.0 version. It's really to productize this ecosystem. It's really to create a path to value. Both for the fintechs that are coming in, as well as for the, you know, just financial institutions are trying to better collaborate and sometimes sort of remove the middleman. I'll wrap, touching back on on open source security with, of course, the whole Linux Foundation is all hands on deck when it comes to open source security. Our sister foundation, OpenSSF, the Open Source Security Foundation, is really leading the charge. Uh, There's been, you know, tens of millions of investments into this foundation just a couple of months before the Log4j issue, which was a great, great timing and sort of showing how sort of forward-looking the Linux Foundation is. But throughout this year, you can expect each project of the Linux Foundation, including Finos, hardening their security scanning, funding, pen testing, and auditing uh, sort of beyond what open source projects are normally used to. And last but not least, working the project Alpha Omega that was launched a couple of weeks ago, Um, working with the global community to really identify which are the critical open source components of that, which are the top 200 projects that the world depends on, and let's put our efforts into starting from those to secure those because maybe with that we'll be able to you know have 80 90% of coverage of sort of the, the top risky components that people bring into that environment and last but not least from a geographic standpoint we are a global foundation but of course our sort of major regions of footprint have sort of historically have been U.S. and to almost a similar extent, Europe, we've looked at expanding in APOC and it certainly still remains a sort of big target for us. Very much opportunistic. There's a lot of innovation coming from there. But as far as 2022 goes, what you'll see this year is a major development from Finos and more broadly the Linux Foundation in the European continent. So pretty busy here.
0: Fantastic. Thank you so much, Gabriele Columbro, Executive Director of Finos. Pleasure having you
1: on the show. Thank you, Gaia. I really appreciate the opportunity.